Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And today we are joined by The Right Swipe co-creators, Kira Jones and Julie Del Preet. Hi! Hello! Thanks for having us. <laughs> of course. How are you all doing today? Doing all right. It's been a rough Friday, but I'm glad to be here doing some fun, talking to fun people. Yeah. <laughs> Same. There's a cat in my lap, so no complaints. Yeah. It. We should give a. I don't know if we've been giving Moody updates, but I feel well because the state of the state of Moody, the Moody's Lap Society, has been dire. Yeah. Recently, <laughs> it's been few, few and far between. I don't know what it is about Moody the last few days, or not a few days, like the last like, couple weeks. Yeah. But she's just not been sitting in lap. But she's back. Yeah. But she's back. And she's, she's here. She's soaking it in. Yeah. And she's vibrating at me. So. Oh, that's always. Yeah. She's a very. That's the thing about Moody. I don't know if that's something that you can't really communicate through a podcast. But she's <laughs> such a good purrer. Yeah, she really she's is. She's got like a good resonating body. Like it's funny. She's really soft. (laughs) This is now a podcast about cats. (laughs) It always is kind of a little. Um, Well, we should get into it. Uh, I'm really excited to have you here. We realized that we've actually published an article about the right swipe before. Uh, Like a year ago, you were saying? In July. Yeah, it was like our first piece of press, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Well, so it's funny... Uh, so let's let's. Uh, there are maybe some people that have read that, but I'm sure that there are also people listening that maybe haven't heard of, uh, haven't heard about the right swipe yet. So would you mind introducing uh, the right swipe to our audience? Sure. Um, so the right swipe is a web series. Um, it's an intersectional ra- romantic comedy or intersectional feminist romantic comedy about two friends who start a business where they fix men's dating profiles um, and then they end up fucking their own love lives up in the process. Uh, when I describe it, I kind of think of it as um, the f- a f- feminist flip on like the traditional like matchmaker rom-com. Mm-hmm. So kind of like Hitch. Hitch was like a big inspiration for us when we made it. Um, and then kind of take a millennial like diverse inclusive like current comedy like you know um either insecure or a broad city whatever have you not girls fuck girls but um <laughs> but yeah probably insecure, insecure probably the closest like yeah. match those two mm-hmm. together um and it's just really an exploration of dating in the digital age and how we use dating apps and you know what what which of our identities kind of impact our success and how we represent ourselves. So we explore race, gender, particularly, you know, how masculinity is represented, uh, represented, um, sexuality, all those things. Um, and we uh, are really excited for the world to see our pilot very soon. <laughs> so soon. Yeah. So um, is this going to be... Like how did how did you come up with this idea? Like where did this come from? <laughs> um, so we were hanging out one cold night in January 2018, so a little over a year ago, um, and we had had some wine and we were swiping on Bumble. So we were supposed <laughs> to go to the club. But it, was <laughs> it was too cold. We it was too cold. So we we could go to the club. We were like, we're going to stay indoors. It was like very Chicago, right? Um, and then we were just noticing like how men, even men who like ostensibly in real life would be like cool and fun to be around maybe 
like didn't know how to present themselves on these dating apps, like taking selfies below the chin and just writing these bios with no actual information. And I'm a photographer for my day job and Kira and I are both writers. And we were like, oh my God, we could make so much money if like we started a business where we where we consulted and we fixed these guys' profiles and I took the photos and like Kira wrote their bios. And then we were like, no, then we'd have to interact with actual men. So like, what if we wrote a web series about two girls who did this instead? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we, we outlined the whole first season that night, um, and then the next week, you know, or, or maybe a week or two after that, wrote the pilot, and just kind of went from there. It, it picked up steam really quickly, because Julie and I are both just, like, fast writers. Like, we would write an episode, like, you know, a, a night, mm-hmm. uh, and we... We're really excited about what we had, and we started reaching out to mm-hmm. other filmmakers who could make us help us make this happen. Because you know, Julie and I both have backgrounds in theater. Um, as uh, me as an actor, Julie as a playwright. So this was our first foray into like producing our own film content, mm-hmm. or one of our first forays. And uh, we were like, we need a village. Uh, we can't do this ourselves. <laughs> and luckily, the the story and the scripts were connected with people to the point where it was very easy to find people who wanted to be involved. Like, we had so many people reach people. To the point, like, people were reaching out to us, like, I want to be involved in the project. And we were like, we already have so many people. We don't have anywhere <laughs> for, to put you on the crew. Um, so that was really great. Uh, I, I don't know, like how we got so lucky to have such an amazing cast and, and crew and just supporters, even people who donated to um, the crowdfunding campaign or people just that, like follow us on social media and, and support us and repost us. It's been very humbling to see. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm, I'm interested in the, like kind of the, the bridge from this would be a good business. Nah, <laughs> Let's do it a web series instead. <laughs> like, like I'm wondering, I maybe this is me like digging a little bit too deep, but I I'm I just think it's so funny that like because like that would be a sick business, but like yeah, does, is, did you <laughs> like is there? I kind of want to do a quick Google search. Like, does that even exist? Oh, like, there is a white man. Oh my god, yes, he has a Facebook page. So when we were making like the Facebook page, we had to be the right swipe TV. Because there's, like, some guy in, I think, Ohio. You can look it up. I don't know. A few of my friends liked his page. He <laughs> was, like, a guy who ostensibly does this. Yeah, he's, like, some, like, former... He looks like he wasn't a frat. Uh, some, like, white boy who oh God. does this. I'm, like, I don't think you are the person that should be doing this. Just because I'm, like, you're not the mm-hmm. one who's... I mean, I can't assume about this man's sexuality, but, like, I'm pretty sure you're not the one swiping on these people, so, like, you don't really know Mm -hmm. what would work. But I don't know. I've never met this man. I don't want to throw shade at him. But um, he's our nemesis (laughs) because he stole our name. But, um, (laughs) I mean, for all intents and purposes, we could theoretically start this business. Like, it might be good publicity. And we'd be great at it. We'd be great at it. Um, It's just we got a little tied up in production. But maybe once we're finished making the series maybe that's like you know a cool social experiment slash side <laughs> gig that we can do because i need some money because it's, it's shit it was expensive it, yeah. it's, it's hard <laughs> and, and like in read the bridge from like actual business to indie filmmaking i or like to making a web series so kira had acted in a few chicago-based web series and was really eager to write her own stuff like she was at a point where she was ready to tell her own stories um and i was 
at a point where like I had done a lot of playwriting and I was kind of like film compelling and I had like written a feature and then I like looked up how much it costs to make a movie and I was like no one is ever going to give me this much fucking money like help (laughs) and so we were both at a point in like our artistic lives where like we really wanted to make a web series like we wanted Mm -hmm. to make something that we could produce on film um and so all of that was kind of kismet like that it all kind of happened in one night wow so now you spoke a little bit about the the finances about this. How did how did this the fundraising effort go? How is it going? <laughs> it, is, it is currently going. <laughs> uh, so we um, are still in production. We had to. Uh, we ran out of money. Uh, that has what had happened. Um, so <laughs> we ran out of money because it's expensive, especially when you know you are making sure that you're paying all your artists. Yes, it's like was from the very moment of conception in our brains, we were like, we're paying people for this. Yeah. We will not make this until we can pay people. And so, like, yeah, if we didn't pay our cast and crew, we could finish the whole season, like, easily. But that's, it's more important to us to um, compensate the people that are working on this, particularly because, you know, our whole crew is women and people of color and, you know, queer and trans people there's no straight white men no straight cis white men um and those are people that are typically underpaid um or under like under hired or you're not getting the kind of jobs that they deserve so we were like we can't continue that cycle Mm -hmm. we need to pay them so um to we got an amazing grant uh from chicago filmmakers the chicago digital media production fund um which just the, the grant for this cycle just application for the cycle just closed uh otherwise i would i would plug it but keep an eye on it for next year and they will fund up to twenty thousand dollars for any film project that will be online for free so we got fourteen thousand dollars from them for the pilot and then we oh my god yes uh, <laughs> which seems like a lot of money but is not no and, it goes <laughs> quick yeah i'm, I'm sure grant yeah for a film grant it's yeah huge um because like you know we've had a google grants for like the last year and most of them are like we'll give you you know a thousand or five thousand here and there so to get like, it's like cool that pays for my crew's lunch like yeah, yeah. Thank you so much <laughs> no i mean like genuinely thank you to the people who are doing those grants but like man yeah mm-hmm. um so to get that big sum was amazing and then we also crowdfunded twenty five thousand dollars which was the most painful experience of my life. Yeah. Um, and we got $1,000 from OTV, Open Television, which is the platform that we're distributing on. Yeah. It's um, an online platform that hosts uh, web series and films by it, artists with intersectional identity. So people of color, women, queer people, or people who have more than one of those identities. And um, so they were gen- generous enough to give us $1,000 and just, like, scrounging here and using our own money and just, like, being re- being yeah. really tight with the budget. And it's been... So now we, we've produced the pilot and about half of the rest of the five episodes out of order. We were just trying to shoot out certain locations or certain characters. Um, and so now we have to raise money again to finish. Yep. That's it. And uh, if you are interested in supporting our second leg of production, you can go to bit.ly slash support TRS. Nice. Cool. Love a good bit.ly link. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I want to, one thing that we've been talking about recently is the concept politically of praxis. Something Mm -hmm. I'm very interested in, in basically theory made, uh, 
how it manifests like and i think that you know your work being so inter- uh, uh rooted in intersectional fe- feminism is an interesting piece to that end of you know how much from hearing you speak about it and and knowing a bit about the work like figuring out how to because intersectional feminism has such a rich history of research and study and thinking and, and writings and, and everything and um but i but i also think it's really interesting like how hands-on and manifestive like uh tv not tv but show well you know what i mean like show producing well it is tv I, sorry i'm like getting <laughs> weird sometimes i do this with a genre where i get caught up in genre where i'm like what is it um <laughs> anyway sorry the my actual question here is that like show producing is so like literally you're creating a thing that has life mm-hmm. and so i'm curious for you you know when you were working on this this production like thinking about uh also wanting to have this um meaningful uh ideological space um how did that kind of translation to concept not to concept to actual product go as far as like that being rooted in that in that ideology so our producers are both women of color and i think that's key Um, when we were putting a team together, it was super important to us that the characters who are represented on camera with intersectional identities or who are marginalized are also represented behind the camera, right? So we were not like making visible something that we could not put into practice. Um, and I think that a lot of the excuses that I hear for people not hiring women or not hiring queer and trans folks or not hiring people of color is like, where are they? And it's like, mm-hmm. dude, there are so many and they're in Chicago and our producers put out the fucking bat signal and they like slid into people's DMs and like really went the extra mile to like hit people up. And sometimes that means like hiring someone who may not have as impressive a resume because they weren't as systemically advantaged um but if you do the work those people are there and they're really great at their jobs um and it it was a joy to hire and pay them and watch them elevate our work and yeah so if you are working on a film project and you need to hire someone and you don't want to hire a cis white man let us know we have plenty of recommendations (laughs) yeah and if even in so i talked to another filmmaker who uh, I love it and think is super wonderful. I, she's actually a screenwriter, and she was telling me, you know, she she had one of her scripts produced, but she wrote it and then just kind of passed it off to mm-hmm. people to produce on their own. And she was like, they didn't really cast it the way that I would have wanted it. They cast it with a bunch of you know white people, and um, I want to know like what I can do, kind of moving forward as a screenwriter to stop that from happening if I like don't have all my my hands or don't have a million hats like I'm not producing and and, and directing mm-hmm. and everything and it, it really does come down to what you're writing like you have to you I think some people think like oh I'll just leave the ethnicity or the ability or the gender or like whatever of all the characters open and like that'll give everyone an opportunity to audition and be considered but you know, especially coming from a background as an actor, I know that that's not how it works out. Like they might say, you know, if you look at casting breakdowns, it might say ethnicity open or whatever. But like, if you don't specify, chances are it's gonna end up being a white person. There's just more of them. They have more advantages systemically. They've been able to get more training. You know, whatever it is. Um, and I think also in our brains, because when we watch media 
we see mostly white people. Even, you know, like if you think about the, the Hunger Games, even when we read books and we read scripts, unless it specifically says this is a person of color or this is a disabled person or this is whatever, we're going to assume they're a white cis het able-bodied person uh, you know when i brought in the hunger games because everyone freaked out that rue was black even though mm. she was black in the book if they actually read it and so like yeah even when you're like this is a black person they're like is it though um so you have to you can't just say this is a black character you got to be like you got to figure out how to make that person authentically black like i've mm. read character breakdowns where you know they're like this is a black person but her no shade to you but like her name is Julie and I'm like I've never met a black person named Julie also they're like oh she like plays the didgeridoo and is on the badminton team I'm like what what are you doing like I so um like talking you know if you are not of the identity of some of the person you're writing about do your research talk to people like that but like really do the the work to in, make the story inclusive and authentic and not just to like check types of characters off of a box but like what does this contribute to the story how does it change it how does it enrich it um that is so from every point of production from the inception to the writing to casting to being on set like intersectional feminism was like the the, like the praxis of what we were doing mm-hmm. yeah i i the, that was a the main reason why i wanted to ask that is because you know i think that there's especially in the entertainment industry quote unquote like i think that there's always the best intentions but like even a person that can't has read like tons of bell hooks is still can be you know like in, in, in practice like a part of the conditioned like white supremacist like world that we live in and so i think it's it's um it's really uh helpful more and more to you know uh verbalize the ways in which people that are in positions of power really um can like first off when they're fucking up and then when those positions are filled by people of color like by people that you know um that live these experiences like what because it's not just like well let me actually ask a question (laughs) like Mm -hmm. in what ways do you think is it not just like having a person of a marginalized experience in the room like at what point is it like like it's that idea of like in what ways has uh the work been that experience of of um not just is it not just equity but not just equality but But equity equity. yeah yeah -hmm. yeah that's a really great question yeah just i will you kind of when you talk about that, I, I think about theater and like casting practices in theater and color blind versus color conscious casting. Um, and you know, when people say color blind casting, they're like, oh, all the parts are open to people of any you know race or ethnicity. But they'll throw like a black person into Macbeth but still do, like, the same dry-ass production of Macbeth, but just with a black person. And I'm like, okay, well, race, people say, you know, try to say race isn't everything, but race is everything, and if you have a black Macbeth, that changes the story, and you need to, like, dramaturgically do the work Mm -hmm. to make sure that that is reflected, and how does that affect the rest of the casting that you're doing, you know, all of these things. So that's just, you know, one 
example, um, it's not just about like putting a person of color or you know person of any other marginalized identity like in the room, um, but like one making sure that like their voice is actually heard and valued, and they're not just there to like educate you. That's another thing, like bringing a, a person of a marginalized identity there to like do the labor of educating everybody mm-hmm. like and especially if like if you brought them in like as a teacher fine but like if you're like if they're there to act or they're there to hold the boom and you're like hey can you can you why don't you tell me your opinion on jesse smollett because <laughs> like we're, we're really struggling like yeah. don't do that like mm-hmm. um do the work on your own to educate yourself um and th- i just have, i have so many opinions about this but um yeah equity is is not just about like who is in the room but like who is valued and like though and also like the people who are not uh, who have more privileged identities like what what are they doing to continue to educate themselves like you it, it's mm-hmm. an ongoing process and i feel like artistic license is so huge too like be like actually you know that's what's so powerful about what we were talking about before we started recording um like jordan peele's work is that like you can tell in the work that it's like it's it's about that that creative space that like actually the freedom to manifest like what what wants to be made rather than like more of the same i i don't know i think that's really fascinating it's being driven by a greater ethos it's making space for people yeah Yeah. um i want to talk more about you know one of the things that you mentioned was uh the writing space and how it, it came very easily um, and I, I, do you think that that was like how I, I'd love to hear you speak more on that. Like, what did that look like? Like how, and what, like, where were you writing? It's always fun. <laughs> um, and then do you think it was kind of a, uh, you two writing together that made that process very easy? Like, do you feel like you have a strong artistic voice together or do you think it was the source material that really kind of fed that or both or, or neither? Or, I don't know. Um, we did a lot of our writing actually up the street at Kopi, a traveler's cafe on cool. Clark Street. I love Kopi. <laughs> they were super tolerant of the fact that we sat there for like eight hours and only ordered tea. Um, sometimes Kira got fish tacos. Now you know what we order. Um, that and- is the thing about Kopi, though, just to like that. I always feel <laughs> self-conscious about potentially just getting a drink, but they seem super cool with that. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. They're, so, yeah. they're so nice. Yeah, I, I think they know that people go there to do work. Yeah. yeah, super. Even though they don't have internet, which is wild. It's like, you can, like steal just... internet from like next door. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we opened a Google Doc so that we could both type at the same time. Um, and a lot of it, like some of the scenes that we had together, we sort of like, well, we always outlined and then we would sort of like talk through the scenes that our character had together. And then there was sort of just like an implicit pattern we fell into that like Kira took the lead on her scenes, um, a lot of which are specifically about the black female experience that I don't have access to as a writer and like shouldn't try to speak for um, and have no desire to speak for. Um, and that I took the lead on my character scenes. Um but it was all like done in real time, like together. So it's like once I wrote a monologue and Kira was like, this needs to be one line. And I was like, you're right. Um, and so it was a lot of that. And it was like it was really fluid. Um, and a lot of the times we made ourselves laugh. And that was kind of when we knew something was working. And then I would take it and I would retype the entire thing into final draft, which was when I got rid of a lot of like extraneous, like if we over explained a joke or like or added some action lines for clarity or whatever. Um, and then I sent the final draft version to Kira and she sent me any notes if she had them. And then um, and then that was that. And the editing process was really similar. Um, but yeah, it was super easy. It was really easy. Yeah, I think that we do. I think individually we have similar writing styles, so it made it 
easy to come together and, and mesh those. Like, I think it would be really difficult if I had, like, for instance, um, needed to, like, be alone or, like, if I, ha- <laughs> like, I-, I don't know. I can't even, because th- I-, I don't know what other people's writing processes look like. And it's like, and Julie's is similar to mine, so I- it's hard for me to say. But if we had a completely different writing processes, I think it, it would have been really hard to, like, do it in real time on a Google Doc together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that worked well for us. Um, and I, I, we have similar... We have different strengths, too. Mm-hmm. Like, Julie's, like, really great at structure, um, you know, with her training as, as a writer and everything. I have less training, so she's really good at that. And I am good at coming up with jokes. Like, whenever Julie was like, this needs to be funnier, I'd be like, here, here you go. That, yeah. Um, was like, I would just, like, highlight it, and I'd be like, fix it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, it, 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 you know, balances out, like, where I am, you know, kind of weak, she is strong, and then vice versa. Um, so, <clears throat> I know that in the show, um, you've, you've hinted at the fact that your characters love lives kind of suffer at the hands <laughs> at the hands of your work. Suffer is the correct yeah. verb. <laughs> um, I'm curious, how has your dating experience been affected during in the process of creating this? Dude, I had never been on a dating update. So for most of the process of creating the show, I was in like a fairly serious committed relationship. And then I'd never been on a dating update. Like I had just never used one. Like it the lifestyle like I was just like this isn't like how I connect with like some bullshit and so like very (laughs) recently actually I went on my first dating update but in my profile it was like a hinge thing and one of the questions was never have I ever and I said never have I ever been on a dating update and so the guy that I went on the date with was like so I'm like your guinea pig huh and I was like yeah and I told him about the show we didn't go on a second date Yeah, I am the opposite where I've been on many, many dating app dates. Uh, we actually, I actually <laughs> met, I met our director, uh, Justin Caselli, on a dating app. We went on a date and nothing came of the date. Uh, we moved on. With, like, it was a fine date. Like, we enjoyed each other's company, but, you know, we just never went on a second date and moved on with our lives. I guess we ended up following each other on social media and something that he, something else that he had produced, he put on Instagram and I was like, Julie and I like sent it to her and I was like this looks like what we want the show to look like so dating apps have been great to me and, and making like I've actually there's several people especially filmmakers I feel like there's a lot of filmmakers on dating apps especially Bumble and The League yeah but I've like met several filmmakers whoa, whoa, whoa. On dating are you apps. on The League I am on The League She's oh, fancy. Good. I am good. on the league. Um, I, I, for no reason, I, I, mean, I watch I Northwestern and they're elitist, so like cool. And then also I think they bump people of color up to the, the waiting list quicker right. because there's just not as many of them. It is fine. Uh, I met Justin on the league, our director. Um, it, it It's just weird because like it's not a... You only get three to five potential matches a day at happy hour at five o'clock. You get the matches, and it's, you can't so just like swipe, you know, for hours and hours for fun. Like it's just you only get like the three to five that per day. Uh, I, I mean, I haven't gone. I, I have had no bad experiences. I, I feel like most of the league dates I've gone on have been fine uh, or good. So it's cool, but it is. 
I had to filter out all the white dudes though, um, <laughs> because there's too many. Like I, yeah, I'm not sure. like completely opposing white men, but I'm like, if I leave the white men on, I will see nothing but white men. So I yeah. have to turn them off. Um, <laughs> so I've been on many dating app dates, and uh, d- d- so a lot of the content that my character has comes from like real experiences that I've had on dating. I've had, I have some weird stories. Like if you watch the <laughs> teaser, so we have a teaser that we made um, like last June on like $0 that we shot in my apartment and that helped us, you know, get, you know, grants and get excitement for the project. And I, my character says something about how she went, she went on a date and the, guy locked her in his car and like performed his mixtape for him <laughs> or for her that happened to me in real life it was very weird the dude was like so dating uh, uh, most of the dating apps will kind of i'm going on like a rant now but most of the dating apps will <laughs> no that's the best that's what this yeah. for. <laughs> um if you do if you like even google just um like what kind of like what the demographics of our people of people who are most successful or least successful in dating apps, um, race is a huge indicator of that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my, my coworkers, we have to actually talk to Saeed because my coworker oh. Saeed has done research specifically on dating apps oh, and shit. Like, the demographics that like make our uh, people more successful. For men, the number one thing is height. Um, mm-hmm. But um, it's like even more than like income, anything. It's like height. Um, and so crazy. But, but race is one of the indicators and the two groups that get the least amount of matches or messages are black women and Asian men. So, um, I definitely have had experiences with that and, you know, the matches that I do get, sometimes I get fetishized. People say creepy things to me. They'll be like, oh, I've got jungle fever or like, oh, that um, sucks. if I kiss you, it'll taste like a caramel macchiato. Like awful things. Um, but oh. so I went on a date. Yeah, gross. <laughs> awful. Um, and I went on a date with this guy who was black, who was darker than me. Um, you can't see me. I'm like pretty light skinned, but um, <laughs> uh, but this man, you know, he's he's black and he's an actor, and um, we start talking and he's first of all okay. This is beside the point, but like he he's the one who asked me out. He was like pretty aggressive about it, and he chose the coffee shop that we went to, and refused to pay for my coffee. And I'm like, do you not have three dollars, sir? I was like, what? But anyway, so I was already like strike one, but. Um, <laughs> We were talking, and he was like, you're the first black girl I've ever gone out with. And I'm like, huh? Why? And he was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I guess, like, black girls just, you know, they don't like me because I'm not ghetto enough. And I was like, oh! And, like, he kept bringing it up throughout the date. Like, we'd be talking about something else, and he would just stop and, like, stare at me and be like, I can't believe I'm out with a black girl right now. And I'm like, oh, my God. What is wrong with you? So, like... The, he ends the date like really abruptly and I was like this is fine because I hate you and um he said mentioned something on on the date about how he had like a mixtape and he's a musician or whatever and so he's like I'll oh drive. this is all the same guy sorry this I just was, like yeah, that sorry, oh, yeah. I like yeah. the same I guy this is the same guy um the mixtape guy so he's he's just like yeah I'll give you a ride to the train so I'm like cool so I get in the car and he does not start the car he like locks the doors and then he's like yeah, so you want to hear my mixtape? And I was like, uh, I didn't know. I couldn't be like, no. But so, you, so he's like, it, it's better if I like perform it live. So he just oh turns God. the instrumental of it on and like, perf- which he had on song, hand, which he had on hand, <laughs> and like performs it for me in his like locked car. No. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Are you gonna murder me? Like, what is? It was how, just so. Weird. How long was the mixtape? 
So it looks like he only performed one song. Okay. okay. I thought he was. I, th- Still, I thought though. it was going to be the entire. The, the only way I saw awkward is yeah. that like someone like singing like less than a foot away from you, and you're not even like facing them because you're like sitting and, and you're looking out the windshield. It was so weird. I hated it so much. I do know what that looks like because I've gone on a similar date. Oh no! So, no, seriously. So I I went on a date with this guy when I still lived in Milwaukee. So mine and Daniel's background is in opera, mm. and so I went on a date with another opera singer, and they're the I, worst kind of people. Yeah, oh no! This, As people, like I, I'm like. <laughs> Like I, like I love opera singers. My mom was an opera singer, so one, be nice. Like when you, when you when I mean, we're opera them, singers. Like, but I just feel like when when opera singers are out in the wild, like <laughs> there's the just work. something. With, well, so I went on a date with an opera singer, and th- we were at a we were at a diner, and he told me later that he was lactose intolerant which explains why when he took a bite of his cheeseburger he then spent 20 minutes in the bathroom literally 20 minutes in the oh bathroom my god literally 20 minutes in the bathroom um so, and then he comes back and, i would have left well I i'm didn't, amazed that i you didn't, didn't want to pay for his food <laughs> oh, real. fair so, fair he dropped so, you yeah yeah and so i I ate my food and then he came back and he said, "Oh wow, you eat really fast." No, you just, no, you shit really yeah, slow. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so then we you did. Fiber. He like did this weird <laughs> dance with the check at the end, Mm-mm. where he like, I the check came and I was like, "I'm gonna try to undate this." And so I like went for the oh, check and I was like, "Do I you want to split that. it?" Oh, and then he slammed his hand on the check oh my and God. then picked up the receipt. And then looked at it, and then looked at me, and then looked at it, and then looked at me, and he's like, "I got it." And I was like, "We're at a diner. <laughs> like, what is? Like, what are you? Do you think that? Like, no. I'm impressed that you can drop seventeen dollars right now. Like, but then we went into the car, and he, we, he drove, he drove, he was driving me back to my car. He made me sit. And listen to his recently recorded audition recordings. Audition recordings? Of him. He was like this. He's a bass. And so oh him just like. <laughs> oh, and he's really very bad. So, yes. I do oh know what God. that's like. That's so <laughs> weird. That's like horrible. If, that's like if I was like, watch this self-tape of this McDonald's audition I did. Okay, like, why? Hey, why? Yeah, I've never had anyone like play anything that they created for me but at the end of my one dating update which lasted three and a half hours in spite of the fact that it was clear like minute five that it wasn't gonna go anywhere three and a half hours hours, i'm really good well i take headshots which we were talking about earlier and i feel like the central headshot skill is like getting someone to talk about themselves so like it was three and a half hours Uh of him basically telling me about growing up in nebraska and then oh my god he's gonna listen to this podcast and like come for me but at the end of the date like towards the end of the date he was like that's the fourth word you've used tonight that I feel like I need to look up in a dictionary. And I was like, oh my God. That's so relatable because like, I'm deeply introverted, but now that I have had a podcast for a while, I feel like I'm very good at listen, like, like asking questions where someone's all of a sudden like, oh, I can talk to you. That open people up. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, and you're like, oh God. Like that, that doesn't, I don't know how often it happens, but there, I, that isn't a unique feeling of when you, when you realize what you've done. You know? Yes, yes. And people love to talk about themselves. Like, this podcast is a sterling experience. Um, <laughs> but yeah, three and a half hours. That's a long time. I had a... 
a date that was 17 hours one time. You did. I did have a date that was 17 hours. How? Uh, <laughs> okay, so um, we just were having a, a very good time. He, he, I never saw him again, but um, I, so he asked me out and he was new to Chicago. He just moved there. I think it was his first weekend there. And we kind of didn't really have a, a real plan. We were just like, we're going to hang out in, in Wicker Park. And so we start, started at a bar and the guy, he asked the bartender, like, oh, where should we go? I kind of want to go dancing. And she recommended this bar. I, I forget what the, was it called Prism? I don't know. It was a terrible, terrible club. It was awful. We went and like, uh, and they were just playing like scary techno and there was like three white dudes in backwards caps there. And we were like, should we leave? I felt bad because he paid like a really high cover. And I was no. like, should we leave? And he was like, we can make the best of it. So we <laughs> started dancing very weirdly to the techno and then um there were like three like two other black people and i dared him i was like go ask the other black people he's also black i was like go ask the other black people to do a soul train line with us <laughs> <laughs> and he was like yeah and so he did and then we, they said yes and so like we started hanging out and then they were like what are y'all doing after this? And we were like, we don't have plans. They're like, we're going to a strip club. Do you want to go? And we were like, okay. (laughs) We went to the strip club with this other couple and it turns out like, dude, I was on the date with like, went to the same college as the other guy. They went to like, um, the same HBCU, historically black college. And so they bonded over that. And then we were at the strip club. We went to the pink monkey. Um, there was, it was very entertaining. There were some very bad strippers. Um, I was like, how are you? doing this um so we were there till like two in the morning and then um we decided we wanted chicken and waffles after that so we went to a, a diner and then after the diner it was too far for him to go home and i was like do you want to stay over at my place we're closer to my place and he was like sure we did not hook up we just like slept and then we woke up the next morning and we watched lemonade because lemonade had just come out oh we watched nice lemonade. Mm. and then we decided we wanted shrimp and grits so then we went to get shrimp and grits and then he we were across the street from old town school of music and he's like what's this place i want to go in here and he went in the old town school of music and it turns out he like plays the piano and sings and he just like serenaded me and so that happened so like around two so the day went from like uh, like eight or nine in the the night before to like two three p.m. and then we said goodbye and I never saw him again. That is wild because yeah. that's like that story could have also ended with and then we went and got married. Yeah, or something. yeah. You know well, I mean, I, mean like, I really liked him and like even the other couple that we were hanging out with, they're like, so like, how long have you two been together? And we were like, oh, this is actually our first date, and they're like. Like, you all seem like an old couple. I don't know. But he, I never saw him again. And it's really awkward because my my roommate, actually, he's her boss. And so I'm like, tiny ass world. But I guess, like, he never, he never contacted me again. So In I the rom-com he... version of this, you cross paths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll but see. it's, like, fraught because, like, one of you will be in a relationship and you'll be like, oh, but that 17-hour date was so good. And there will be a montage well, where you're, like, actually... really fucked up about it. And then you'll get together. <laughs> yeah. Not too far off because... I did get in touch with, like, you know, maybe a year later. Because, yeah, I was telling you the story. I remember this. I was telling Julie the story. And she was like, who is this man? Like, you have to hit him up again. And I was like, I've tried, and I really haven't been able to get in touch with him. And she's like, do it again. And I did. And he responded. And he was like, oh, my God, it's so good to hear from you. I tell people Yeah, this was crazy. our date all the time. And so, like, I kept trying to meet up with him. And then he was like, I have a girlfriend in Canada. And I was like, all right, that's random. But, But, like, like, do you? Yeah, he, I don't know. But, like, I was like, we should 
still hang out as friends, and then this, that never happened, and then we never, yeah, never, you know. Wow. It's fine. I, it makes a really good story. But. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, it's like, when you said that it was a 17-hour date, I was like, did you, like, go to Detroit or something? Oh, like, Oh, my God, honestly. <laughs> it <was a> terrible <laughs> date. Um, <laughs> 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 it, it, like... It could have been a master of done situation where they like took a yeah exactly. I I would be too afraid of being murdered. Um, On a first day, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, like no one would know where I am. It's just so. um, No, we just were hanging out in Chicago. There's just so much stuff to do in Chicago. Like if someone takes you on a boring date in Chicago, then like never hang out with them. They lack imagination. Mm -hmm. So I have a question. So this show is is entirely not entirely. I'm sure not entirely, but the show hinges on helping men with their dating profiles. Mm -hmm. What are some common, I'm sure that you had done some research. What are some, (laughs) what are some common pitfalls? Like if you had to give like a quick five of like, if this is in your dating profile, go jump in the ocean or change it. Cleanse your sins. Cleanse your sins. Below the chin selfies. Why? Yeah, no one looks good from that angle. No. no. Ever. Like, it just gives you a hundred chins. You look like you're going to kill someone. It looks like you are, like, trapped in a well, and the person, like, pushed you under is, like, looking at you. <laughs> it's not cute. It's scary. So that's the first one. Um, second, uh, like, people who have a bunch of group photos and, like, no individual <laughs> photos, and, like, it's almost always, like, a white dude who has a bunch of other white dude friends. Fra- exactly bros, yeah. Like and they're wearing, like, like, identical blazers yes, and shorts. Yes. I have no idea which one you are. I'm going to secure regularly. I'm like, look, it's hell. Yeah, it's the worst possible place. Like a group me. of white men is called hell. Um, uh, a nice third one is photos with girls who are not related to you. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I'm always looking and I'm like, okay, do you want a third? Like, you're clearly with this girl at a wedding. Like, are you not over your ex? Like, are you secretly married? Like, I don't understand like what's going on yeah that that happens so much and it almost seems like maybe the best photos that they have of themselves are the ones they took with their former partner or like a a female friend or something crop her out crop her out yeah crop her out or have someone take a new picture of you Mm -hmm. yeah maybe they want to have proof that they've talked to women before maybe maybe honestly maybe um another one just like underwritten bios Mm -hmm. i feel like like Mm -hmm. a lot of men don't write a bio or they write something like so generic they're like i like traveling and craft beer ask me anything and i'm like uh, or like i hate ugh, i hate when people are like if you want to know something just ask i'm like what no, what do i, I ask about yeah. yeah what do i ask about also like i want to know something like before i decide to swipe left or right like i don't uh, what, what right I also liking rick and morty is not a personality no. oh my god like half the profiles <laughs> i come across are like Rick and Morty, four twenty, six foot one, and then in reality, he's like five foot seven, and like does spend all his Yo, time watching Rick and Morty. They so much, and I get, you know, because <laughs> yeah. as I was saying, like height is the number one indicator of success on dating apps, so I can kind of understand. But you like people have eyes, like they're gonna know that you're not six foot one. That's like, that's yeah. people not playing the long game. That's people like if someone's lying about their height, that's someone who does just like does not care if they see them mm-hmm. ever again. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And there's also, like, the Church of False Excursions to Nature. Like, 
Every man, okay, so Illinois is flat, Chicago's flat, like, you might be from a different place, but, like, our immediate vicinity where we live, where you were swiping is flat, and it's, like, every man has, like, a shot of him on a mountain, and I'm, like, I know from your other photos that you only drink beer with your frat bros in dive bars or are at home watching Rick and Morty, and, like, why do you have so many wide shots in nature, and I know that this is the church of fake nature, (laughs) and they all do it. There must be, like, a... a a green screen operation happening somewhere, somewhere where they can come yeah. take pictures. I don't know. But, like, that, and just, like, choosing unflat, I guess the last one would be, like, choosing unflattering photos in general, like, not just the under the chin, or, like, boring photos. Mm-hmm. I'll see friends, uh, like, male friends on the dating apps, that, and I'm like, I, I know that you're more attractive and more interesting than you oh my god, yeah, profile to be, and you would be having so much more success if you just chose better things to represent about yourself. Like, just have a friend choose what they think their favorite photos of you are. Right. Like, have a couple friends do it, and then see where the right. whole and see what you like. Like, I, I, for whatever reason, men are really bad at, like, choosing photos of themselves. Oh, my God. And, oh, my God, bonus addendum to this is that <laughs> there are just so many. But, like, having – mileage might vary on this, so this might just be, like, a me opinion, but having your headshot – as your date as like the first dating app mm. profile photo that tells me that like you want to network with me and we're going to meet up and you're going to tell me you're going to ask me what I'm working on and it's like that's actually Ugh. not why I'm going on a date and it's like on the one hand yes great job it's a high quality photo of you like somebody else took it it's not a below the chin selfie it's not boring like great but it also sends like a weird message and it's also like sort of a polished version of you that is used mm. for jobs and not for human connection mm-hmm. yeah daniel i have a question for you actually so i know that you liked online like i know that you enjoyed online dating sorry but like because just because you liked meeting people do you remember what your bio was no it was like four years ago but i do remember that there was a degree to which it was like because it's an interesting thing like i remember that i would have girlfriends read it um just because of that thing where it's like i think that you can't go to men for advice about dating like it's just it's just a bad it's just a bad like place to do that but i also do remember there was a degree to which like i don't know for me i think i at the time i was just more interested in i was too honest or something or like too (laughs) not honest but you know what i mean by that like it's like because i think there's a degree to which that can come off like Maybe this is me being really hard on myself, but like sad. You know? <laughs> we have a Which character like, that that's an issue. It's true for yeah. Me. yeah. yeah. And, we cover and, it. <laughs> yeah. And I, that's, you know, four years ago. Daniel, I did but... see a guy's profile where he disclosed that he had IBS. And I was oh, like, no. and I was like, yeah, there's a degree oh, to which, well, because no. it's an interesting, like, I, I, I thought that was interesting what you said, though, about the idea of like not putting a headshot because it's like you do to, to a certain extent, like, when you like want to not like over promise. You know, totally. but then it's also like under promising. Like it's an interesting thing. Yeah. I I think for me another question that I think is really interesting is this idea of mm. using real life uh, experiences as source material for for a show. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very interesting thing. And um, notice the segue away from more talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> Note it. You are dating up. You are a guy in the room. <laughs> yeah. Well, I um. There's yeah. But the, the, the thing I, I know, we only have a few minutes left. So I want the thing I want to make sure to ask about is I to how much of it have you, like, is there a degree to which 
because you know you were mentioning like oh what if someone listens to this podcast or something like that like that is an interesting thought to me like using real life experiences like is there a fear of like what if this person sees this recreation of our date or like is there and and then that's one piece but then the second piece is like has there been a rule of thumb for you about like how like have you wanted to keep things as true to how they happened as possible or have you wanted to lean into exaggerating and making it more uh dramatic or or uh watchable i guess um yeah so i think that there so we there's definitely a lot of my personal experiences in the show but really not um verbatim how they happened it's more like the the latter what you're saying trying to make it more um dramatic or or emphasize certain parts of of the experience mostly like how it made me feel particularly in conjunction with you know my identities as a black woman um there really isn't anything that i'm like yeah like this is exactly how this thing happened and if someone if this person who it's based on watches it they're gonna for sure know it's them Mm. there's like one instance where i'm like the whole (laughs) character is not this person but like one shitty thing he did is for sure him Mm. um and um but like you know the i'm gonna talk about you know my character or my character's love interest Elijah, he's just, like, an amalgamation of, like, all of these different men I've dated. Like, he's just, pieces of him are, are um, like, real-life people, but, like, pushed into one person. So he's, like, mm-hmm. six, seven different people, and then, like, some shit I made up. Um, so I don't know that I have any fear that somebody's going to be like, yeah, that's me for sure, but could happen I, I don't know I, I we take a lot of creative license with the characters like I think the initial maybe the initial thought is like oh this is based off a particular experience and then you just kind of expand from there and, and change things to make it fit the story or like you know what we want to emphasize yeah exactly it's like all very much rooted in truth um but we made up a lot of stuff you know because that's like if you wrote how it actually happened, it, like, wouldn't be as dramatically interesting, A. And, like, I mean, I think that's, like, most writers' work. It's, like, there's stuff in this that's really personal for me, too. And it's, like, my character is, like, sort of in a love triangle. And, like, every man that I was involved with up until age 26, you know, like, in some form appears in one of these two characters or both of these two characters. Um But Annie Lamott has a great quote that's like, you own everything that's ever happened to you. And if people didn't want you to write about them, they should have behaved better. Mm -hmm. That is a solid quote. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm interested to see what the reaction will be. Because I'm like, I feel like there's a few dudes that are going to be me. And I'm like, it's not you. Like, I don't know. I'm like, the character is a filmmaker and I've dated so many filmmakers. And they're going to be like, it's me. I'm like, it's for sure not you. Like, like, what kind of ego? It's like, even if yeah. one of my exes made a show was like, here's like a short white girl with bangs who like to write, I would still be like, it would take so much of my ego to be like, oh my God, like this more attractive and dramatically interesting version of me is obviously me, you know? Like, I don't think I would ever ask about it. But if like anyone chooses to watch it and reflect on themselves, then fine. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. 
Well, uh, we have a few minutes left. Thank you all so much for coming on the show. It's been Aww. an absolute pleasure to sit and talk with you. Likewise. Super fun. Um, the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one-minute plug for anything they have upcoming. Sometimes it's very obvious, like letting people know where they can learn more about an upcoming show, uh, where they can see it, and where they can help fund it, if that were a thing that, is, uh, that was, was a thing. Um, otherwise, <laughs> uh, we love hearing shout-outs to the folks that are doing dope work or any media that you're personally consuming, self-care or otherwise, music, movies, TV shows, things like that. That. You go first, Julie. Oh my gosh. Um, so, so many exciting things are happening. We have this podcast that we're on on April 4th um, at the Museum of Contemporary Art. Our pilot is screening as part of OTV Tonight. OTV is our distributor that we mentioned earlier. We'll be scre- screening along with uh, Phobia, Damaged Goods, and then what is the fourth series that's screening with us? Good enough. Good enough. Um, so three other shows that are coming to OTV. It's going to be an amazing event. It's technically sold out, but if you get there at 5 o'clock, you can get on the wait list. Um, then on April 12th, we are doing a second screening of our pilot and just our pilot at Chicago Filmmakers, the organization that gave us that grant. Um, and also our... technically sold out, but get there early and get on the wait list. <laughs> yeah, that one's at 7, so if you come early. Um, and our pilot will be released online that night. And eternal plug for OTV, our distributor, for making space for intersectional content and being so supportive of us yes we are o.tv is their website um so much amazing content on there already um other plugs i mean we already mentioned that we are crowdfunding again oh yeah um so what is the bitly code uh bitly slash support trs yes um so that's mostly what's happening with the right swipe stuff um I, that's been consuming most of my life uh, right now, but there, I'm trying to think of people that are doing other cool things that are in the cast. Um, so um, the actor who plays Elijah, my love interest, is in um, Dutch Masters at Jackalope Theater, and it just got extended to next week, so you can go catch him in that. Um, Sydney Charles, who's also in the series, is in Lottery Day at the Goodman. Um, I love I Culture. Yeah. Yes, um, so yes. talented. Um, who... who um, is Mike Pence's sex dream still happening? I don't think so. That might have closed, but uh, Colin Quinn Rice, who is also in our cast, was in that. That We have a really big cast and a lot of really awesome um, actors who are doing really cool things around the city. So um, just when you watch the series, Google them. If you thought someone was cute or talented, Google <laughs> them, see what they're doing, find them on social media. Um, yeah, Julie and I are both you know, continuing to make more projects, and so... You can follow us on social media to keep up with that. Um, my name, both of our names are just our names on social, on uh, uh, Facebook. Um, and then our social media for The Right Swipe is, um, Instagram is um, The Right Swipe underscore TV. And um, on Facebook, it's The Right Swipe TV. And my personal Instagram is um, Kira, K-Y-R-A, dot a dot jones and julie's is <laughs> sneaky fig all one word <laughs> nice yeah thank you all so much for listening i've been thank Daniel you yeah, thanks. yeah thank you so much for thanks. coming on i continue to be maureen smith uh if you want to keep up with what we are up to there are so many ways you can do that. The first is to head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. We post all of our articles and podcast episodes there. Otherwise, you can find us on Facebook uh, under Scopy Magazine. We also have a Facebook group called Scopy Ma- uh, Sounding Board that we love and adore. 
um, where we talk about local arts, local politics, and astrology memes. We also have a Discord server for Sounding Board if you're if that's something that you're into. I've been I should plug that more because it's a fun little space and that mm-hmm. we're growing. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr under Scopy Mags, spelled the same way as the website S C A P I M A G. And you can find the podcast, the one you're listening to right now, in most podcast places, including Google Play, iTunes Podcasts, and Radio Public under Scopy Radio. And I'm here as always to talk about the importance of subscribing. If you head to our website, Scopy Mag com and go to our subscribe page there are a couple ways that you can do that the first is to sign up for email blasts this is huge because even though we post across social media platforms facebook buries our content so if you want to see 100 of what we're doing and not just 30 percent of it you should sign up for those email blasts the second thing you can do is become a member for as little as two dollars a month you can help us keep our lights on and pay our artists We are currently in the middle of a fundraising campaign called the Sustain Campaign. This is to prevent us from having to put up a paywall. So if you are in a position to give literally $2 a month, it will mean the world to us. We also have merch available at scopymag.com slash store. Uh, You can head there and buy your new favorite t-shirt. That's a promise. Uh, Also, if you are a business or an entity or just have something fun to say and want to advertise with us, please feel free to reach out to us at scopymag at gmail.com. So give a little, give a lot. And if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep.